Hi, welcome to episode 8 of Made With. My name is Leslie Gonzalez, and on today's episode, we will be talking about found objects as a material used in art. There will also be an artist case study on Amalia Pika, where we will learn more about her use of found objects in her practice. And lastly, I will be interviewing talented artist and designer Isaac Hernandez. So feel free to work on that project you've been meaning to finish or grab a snack and relax. I really hope you enjoy listening to this podcast just as much as I enjoyed making it. So without further ado, let's get into this episode on found objects. Maybe some of y'all know a little bit about found object art, but to those who do not know what exactly found object art is, I will explain to the best of my ability. Found object art is made from distinguishable everyday objects that are typically not thought of as materials used in art. These objects can be sourced from nature or they can be man-made. The most popular example of found object art would have to be Duchamp's ready-mades. However, Picasso was known for using newspapers and music sheets in many of his paintings in the 1920s. So, naturally, Tate.org boldly claimed that Picasso was an originator of this practice. I bet a question you're asking yourself right now is, what's so special about an everyday object? Why did the art world lose their mind? Well, many believed, myself included, that found objects as a material choice for artworks erased every preconceived notion of what a work of art should look like. Traditionally, art was conceived through the use of the artist's hand. Found objects, however, especially the found objects used in most well-known works from Dadaism and pop art, were mass-produced objects. The found object art movement challenged notions of beauty in art. Why does a work of art have to be beautiful? Duchamp was a firm believer that taste is the great enemy of art. I think that's a very interesting rhetoric for sure. I personally do not know if I agree with that, but it was a very forward way of thinking at the time. The use of found objects in art was successful in challenging the idea of what makes something art. An object with no meaning or value suddenly becomes meaningful and valuable because an artist deems the object worthy of display. This way of thinking led to other influential art movements such as Dadaism, pop art, and conceptual art. So I guess you can say found object art walked so that all the other influential art movements could run. Yeah, I uh, think that's kind of really crazy. I also just find it personally exciting how the exchange of one simple thought can lead to many people thinking of other thoughts and like whole new movements 
being birthed out of that i just i love the exchange of idea and how we can all possibly inspire each other it's absolutely beautiful I guess now would be a great time to segue into the artist case study on Amalia Pika. As much as I would love to talk more about found object art, its origin, significance, and just like Duchamp's ready-made, I am on a time crunch because um, this podcast can only be 15 to 20 minutes long. Fortunately, there are so many like websites and videos on found object art, the origins of Duchamp's ready-made. Like Google is an amazing place to explore. So if you just are feeling more curious, um, feel free to go on google.com. This is not an ad. Um, Just thought I should put that out there. But anyway, we should get into the artist case study now on Amalia Pika. Pika was born in 1978 during a dictatorship in Argentina. This history has an influence in her work. Pika's work explores ideas of communication and lack thereof. Her use of mundane objects are successful manifestations of the ideas she takes inspiration from. This is, of course, my opinion. Pika states in an interview that one of the things she likes about art is that it's a way of resisting the lack of meaning in things. She goes on to say, because there is a constant exercise on things slipping away from meaning and you bringing it back into meaning. And lastly, she concludes that thought by saying, that art resists the absurdity and lack of meaning in things, but also celebrates it at the same time. And I feel like that statement truly captures the essence of what it means to use found objects as a material in art, especially work made today. As reiterated earlier, the birth of found object art allowed other art movements and artists to to think more critically about the intent of their work. I hope I'm not coming off as reductive when I say that, though. Reductive in regards to work before found object art skyrocketed. Anyway, back to Pika. Pika's work tends to be interactive, which I think is really interesting because She does tend to use a lot of household products, um, just like very common objects one would find in the house, and then presents the object in a whole different way. Those who are interacting with the work are now interacting with an object that is familiar to them, but are not interacting with the object in a familiar manner. For example, Pika has an installation called Switchboard, open parenthesis, pavilion, close parenthesis. San Francisco MoMA describes the experience as frustrating. Open quote, you will probably hear nothing but the noises around you and perhaps those created inside your pressed ear. Switchboard 
open parenthesis, pavilion, close parenthesis, nurtures an environment of listening and interpreting. Like many of her other works, Bika uses everyday objects to investigate other ways of communicating aside from verbal and nonverbal. The piece consists of wood, paint, cans, string, and glue. Cans obviously being the found object. Well, I mean, technically everything is a found object. I don't really want to get into that, but I think y'all know what I mean. And if not, then that's okay. Because maybe the person who I will be interviewing for this podcast can help me touch more on that thought. So I guess now would be a great time to introduce our guest speaker, Isaac Hernandez. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Isaac. Thank you for having me, Leslie. Uh, I am in my third year here at RISD in the textiles department. I consider myself really to be a fashion designer, so my work predominantly exists in that system. Um, so right now I'm making a lot of work that involves the body, but I'm sort of using just that sort of structure to tell stories and to build material interests around the body. Wonderful. I love that. Can you tell us more about what you're working on at the moment? Well, recently I just finished a very big collaborative project with Martin Baggerly. Um, we were doing a lot of rust dyeing on cloth, so I had made a coat that was dyed with rust, and then together we had also made sort of a, a very big diaphanous garment that we dyed with rust as well. That sounds absolutely lovely. I'm very curious about this so-called rust dyeing. How does that work? Can you please give us more insight on that? Well, it started when Martin had produced these samples of metal that were rusted as like a finishing treatment. And I looked at them and color-wise, they were really, really interesting because things that are rusted kind of have this deep brown color, but there's also sort of tones of red and orange and a little bit of like green underneath. And from there, I started looking into research on rust dyeing and the ways that other people did it. And so a big part of that was like just being open to finding scrap metal, particularly things made of steel that were rusted. And if you can't find already rusted steel, you can find pieces of new steel and rust it with a very specific recipe uh, that will lead for the rust to then be turned into dye or to leave behind like an impression of what the found object is. Whoa, I find it really interesting how you're using a found object as a material, which this entire podcast is about, but instead of actually displaying this found object, you're using it to like aid in something bigger than that. I know it's like a really simple thought, but really this found object is kind of like equal to paint. I mean, quite literally, you're using it as a dye. Um, but I guess another question I'd like to ask is, is how do found objects play an important role in your practice? And is this the first time you've used found objects to aid in your work? 
or as a material in general? Actually, this isn't the first time I've worked with found objects. I would say found objects have been sort of a big part of my work for a long time in different roles, sometimes more at the forefront than others. But I think I started working with found objects when I was living in New York. And I think I was just sort of maybe romanticizing garbage in the streets, but I sort of saw it as being sort of like messengers of some kind of message. And so I would photograph them and maybe uh, figure out ways of collaging them and figuring out what that message might be. And then that led me to being more open to the idea of the materials themselves. And then I started incorporating that into the work that I make in various ways. What a refreshing point of view. I love your take on like random trash on the streets of New York City being like signs. Um, I just think it's it's so magical um, to be that optimistic and positive. Thank you so much for sharing more about your thought process and for sharing what you're interested in and what inspires you ultimately. Do you want to share any last and final thoughts before I boot you off? I'm just kidding. Um, before the podcast ends? Yeah, I think I think it's important to be open to the idea of the found. I think you can really find great ideas out in the world and just looking at materials um, that may be unexpected or maybe be considered trash and they could be inspirational in many many different ways and I think the other thing is is if you're thinking about like resources and budget like there's no better way than to just find things to use rather than trying to spend money and in many ways that can make the work even better I love these words of encouragement I feel super inspired Um, your point of view is absolutely visionary and exciting I really want to work with found objects now you sold me pretty good so with that said thank you so much isaac thank you for having me leslie the pleasure is all mine isaac um with that said we have come to an end with the podcast i really hope you learned a little bit of something um i really tried my hardest and it was really fun. I've never really done anything quite like this before. So um, I hope that, you know, you can bear with it. Thanks for joining me on this really fun adventure and journey. I hope you all enjoy the other episodes. My classmates and I worked really hard and I'm very proud of them. So um, that said, I guess it's time for me to say goodbye. Goodbye.